Yes, give him, give him praise. Thank you, you may be seated. Well, good morning. Hope everybody's doing all right. You looking good? You don't feel like you look good? You're looking good. Yeah, you're looking very good. So, um, yeah, now you're looking even better. Yeah, looking even better. Everybody, um, who's been to the beach so far this summer? A couple people? Yeah, I have. I think, yes, New Smyrna Beach. Who has not been but, are, but is going in the future? Who wishes that they were still there right now? Yeah, all right. Well, that's honesty right there. Yeah, that's good. Very, very good. Summer Spectacular is tonight. Very excited about it. Um, very thankful for all the work that has gone into it. Um, people that came out on Wednesday night, people that are helping tonight. Uh, currently, we have 109 kids signed up to come that are pre-registered. Thank you. 109. That's pre-registered, so I don't know what's going to happen tonight. I don't know how many kids are going to come and just register right out here, but that's, that's pretty phenomenal. Um, I think, and I kind of make up these numbers all the time, not really, but um, I think it's 38 preschoolers. I think it's 38 preschoolers, but there's somebody in the nursery that is like, no, it's not, it's 36 or 40 or something, but it's a lot of preschoolers is the point, and uh, a lot of K through fifth graders, so we are going to have a good time, and so, yes, please pray. We would love to see some of these kids come to know Jesus as their Savior, and it is all about investing in them. Um, <clears throat> I think that that's what the church needs to be doing, investing in kids, uh, and just passing on the faith. If we do not do it, Nobody else will. Your school system isn't going to do it. Your YouTube isn't going to do it. TikTok isn't going to do it. Uh, the news media isn't going to do it. Nobody else is going to do it but the church. So we need to pass on the faith. And I'm very thankful that there's a large group of people, if not everybody, that agrees with all that. So that said, <clears throat> we're in a series called Summer School. And this is Holiness 301. And so to get started, I would like you to turn in your Bibles to Leviticus chapter 19. Leviticus chapter 19 is where we'll be. Leviticus chapter 19. And it says this. <clears throat> and the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. There is something about this holiness that God thinks is very important for you and me to have in our life. And he's very serious about it. He will say this in Leviticus over and over again. Be holy, be holy, be holy. And maybe part of it is it's our inclination to be unholy, right? Right? But I think another thing is that he wants us to have a touch of heaven and a touch of who he is here on earth. And so be holy, follow these rules, be holy, follow me, have faith in me, be holy. Well, he continues in verse three, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father and you shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord, your God. Now that I am the Lord, your God is used 12 times in Leviticus chapter 19. 
You can count them if you want to. 19 times. I mean, chapter 19, 12 times. And so he is making a statement here that the reason that you do these things, the reason that you should be holy, the reason you should follow what I'm saying is because I am the Lord, your God. I am means he doesn't change. That means the rules is not going to change. I am means that regardless of the culture, what I'm saying today will work in every single culture, in every single generation. It's going to work in this world. I am the Lord, your God, do these things. Now, if you study leadership or you read leadership books, whatever, you know that the bottom level of leadership is when you have to say, I am the boss, do this. I am the boss, do this. It's the lowest level of leadership. You progress up the chain of leadership and you try to get influence, you try to get relationship, you try to get buy-in. And a leader that has buy-in and influence and all of that doesn't have to ever say, I am the boss. Never has to say, already has the respect of the people, already leads, they trust him, they go, they go after him. And it's the same way with parenting. You sometimes have to say, I'm your dad, you have to do this but hopefully you're building a relationship with them to where that's not the only thing that you have, just your position. And so the Lord starts at this very bottom level, I am the Lord your God, but I think it's a little bit different. You see, it's God that searches you out. You do not search God out. It is God that puts his witness in the heavens to say, here I am, You need to know that you exist because there's something greater than you. It is God that is reaching out to you to let you know that he exists. It's not the other way. And so here in the scripture, he's saying, I am the Lord your God. And there's a great divide between you and I. I am holy, you are not. You're supposed to be holy. So God, who is reaching out to you, knows that he cannot have a relationship with you and you cannot be holy unless your sins are taken care of. So what he does, what he did actually, is he sent Jesus Christ to down the cross of Calvary to take the punishment for your sin. He called you to salvation. You accepted salvation. And the moment you accepted his gift of salvation is the moment that you became holy once again. It's the moment you became holy for the very first time in your life actually. And so he is saying, I'm the Lord, your God. I'm going to do what it takes to have a relationship with you. You have to accept me. And once you do, I am the Lord, your God has a total different meaning. The moment that you are saved and you know that God is who he is, anytime he says, I am the Lord, your God, you wanna do what he's telling you to do. You know that he has your best interest in his mind and he wants what's best for you. And you follow him because he first loved you and then you loved him. It's a beautiful picture. So when in the scripture, when he says, I am holy, be holy, do these things, he is saying you can do this because I provided a way for you to do it. Be holy as I'm holy. Now, this continues here. In in, in verse three, it says, every one of you shall revere his mother. And let me back up a minute. Don't take this any other way than the way I'm using it as an illustration, all right? I saw a t-shirt a couple weeks ago that says, I identify as vaccinated. 
That's clever. It's the Babylon Bee t-shirt. They sell them online. I identify as vaccinated. Absolutely, absolutely funny. That's funny. What I'm concerned with, however, is that I think that there are Christians who wear the Farmington Baptist t-shirt, possibly, or they wear, wear the Christian apparel, but they've never stopped a moment to bow and ask God to forgive them of their sins and for him to be their savior. They're identifying as a Christian, but they're not really Christian. My, um, my encouragement to you today, if you're one of those, it's just wearing the t-shirt, but God has not changed you on the inside. Today needs to be the day that he changes you. And you make what you're identifying with match who he is making you to be. All right? So back to this, 19. It says, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, and you shall keep the Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. So he's saying, be holy as I am holy. And to do that, you have to respect your mom and dad. <laughs> you have to respect your mom and dad. I'm, I'm gonna just be straight up and honest with you. I am very blessed when it comes to this. Very blessed. I have a set of in-laws that are easy to respect. Well, maybe not the mother-in-law, but my father-in-law, I'm just kidding. That's just a joke. They're very easy to respect. My father-in-law follows God to the best of his ability. He has his Bible out. He teaches people scripture. He's really concerned about all that. He's really easy. They are really easy to respect. My parents are the two people that I hold in high regard and there's nobody that beats them. My mom and dad have been faithful their entire life, my entire life, in leading me and trying to show me the way to go and staying faithful in their faith. I have a high regard for my mom and dad. They're absolutely incredible people. Now, is my mom and dad perfect? Absolutely not. Is my Father and mother-in-law perfect? Absolutely not. In fact, it's my belief that the only perfect parents in the entire world are those people who do not have children. <laughs> it's only perfect parents in the entire world, people that don't have children. So, so I, have, I have a great and a blessed environment. I did not know how blessed it was un until I started actually doing this, what I'm doing. And what I've come to realize is not everybody has that particular Thing in their life. And so you read a passage of scripture like this, every one of you shall revere his mother and his father, shall respect. There are some people that are struggling with that. How in the world do I respect my mom and dad when they have done fill in the blank? How do I respect my mom and dad when they did not do this for me and bring me up in the way I should go? How can I respect my mom and dad when they hurt me? How do I do this? I want to be holy as God is holy, but how in the world do I do this? So to answer that question, I have a lot of verses. Now I was, I, pre, I got an email one time and uh, it was an email that said, Philip, you know, I enjoy your preaching, but you use too much scripture. Good luck with that one. All right, here we go. Isaiah. Isaiah 49, verse 15, it says this, can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even these may forget, yet I will not forget you. This verse of scripture says that there are mothers in the world that will forget to care for their children, that will not care about caring for their children. 
And this verse is in the same Bible that Leviticus 19, verse three, every one of you shall respect your mom and dad. How do you respect a mother that doesn't take care of her children? And this is how you do it. You respect her because God used her to bring you into this world. It does not mean that you have to agree with how she raised you. It does not mean that you were not hurt by her not having compassion and showing you love and doing what she should have done, done as a mother. It doesn't mean that. But you still respect her even though it hurts. You still love her even though it hurts. You want the relationship to be better. You want things to be different but she's just not going to change. And so what you do is you set boundaries and you set those boundaries in such a way where she doesn't come in and mess up your current life, but you still respect her. The litmus test for boundaries in my life is this. I put them out far enough for me to be able to forgive and respect. And that is biblical. So I put boundaries out. You put boundaries out in the same sort of way. So there are mothers that do not do what they are supposed to do. But God says you respect them anyway because I used your mother to bring you into the world. And you were not a mistake. You were not a mistake. Here's an action. First Timothy chapter 5, verse 8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, especially for members of his household, the Bible, the women are the mothers, and the dads are the fathers. That's how it rolls. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. In other words, if a father does not provide for his household, that's not a good thing. He's supposed to provide for his household. And you may have had a father that didn't provide for your household. But the Bible says that you're supposed to respect him. You don't have to agree with the way that he dealt with you in life, that he didn't provide for your needs, that he didn't put um, food on the table, that he always relied on your mother to do all the work in order to put food on the table. It doesn't say you have to agree with that. You don't. But what you do have to do is you have to revere him and respect him because God used your father to bring you into this world. And you are not a mistake. So you respect that. If your dad cannot be in the same environment that you are in, you put the boundaries to where you can still respect him and forgive him and interact with him. And wherever those boundaries are is where you need to lay them so that you protect yourself. But at the same time, you respect him because God tells you to. Here's the next one. Ephesians chapter six, verse four, fathers do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instructions of the Lord. There are fathers that can provoke their children to anger. And just because they did that does not mean that you don't respect your mom and dad. It doesn't mean that. You don't agree with the fact that he always provoked you with anger and that isn't what he was supposed to do. We agree with that, absolutely. And anger, somebody's anger, you've got to really, when it comes to boundaries, if it's an angry dad, you really have to put a distance between you. You can't mess with that. So you put distance to where you're safe, but you still respect him because God used him to bring you into the world. And God says to respect your mom and dad. Here's the next one. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 14b, for children are not obligated to save up for their parents, but parents for their children. So here's another mom and dad supposed to supply for the children. If they didn't do it, you still respect them. You don't agree with what they did, but you still respect them 
You can still do that. Next, Proverbs eleven twenty nine: whoever troubles his own household will inherit the wind and the fool will be servant to the wise of heart. So whoever troubles his own household, what does this mean? Will inherit the wind. I thought inheritance was money, like a bunch of money. I thought inheritance was houses and, and what they had and their cars and, and their life insurance policy and all that kind of, that's our inheritance. Well, no, no, no. In scripture, it is that. But more importantly, the Bible says that the inheritance of a mother and a father is their children and their grandchildren and their children's children. Children are your inheritance from the Lord. So when a, a parent troubles their household and the kids start backing up and saying, we can't be around that, but I respect them. I can't be around that. I can't allow that into my home, but I still respect them. They are making their inheritance to where all they are going to have left is the wind because they pushed everybody out of their life with the way that they want to live and the attitudes that they have. It is very sad for this to happen. But if you're in a situation where you just can't be around your parents and you are over here and, man, I wish I could, you still respect them because they brought you into the world, but you do not have to agree with what they're doing and you do not have to be involved in their environment, which is a mess. But you have to respect them. But you don't have to have them around. Right? Next. Proverbs 13, 24, it says, whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Um, I've seen this happen before where a particular child is jealous of the other child because this child gets away with a lot more than this child did. Like I got punished for what they're doing, but they do not get punished for what they're doing. What is up with that? Well, I'll tell you what's up with that. They loved you more. Then they did the other person. Why be jealous? Whoever spares a rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. And it is a fact. Parents, listen to me. If you don't discipline your children, you don't love them. You just don't love them. The Bible's very clear you discipline them. I'm not talking about beating them. I'm talking about if they do something wrong, the punishment matches the crime. You don't go overboard. But the punishment matches the crime. This is so key. They need to learn that in your home before someone with blue lights on top of their car makes them realize, hey, there's consequences to what I do. The sad thing about it is when that happens, the kids think, well, mom and dad will come and save me. They always have because you've taught them that. So you hadn't really loved them because you hadn't prepared them for life. So you discipline and the discipline matches the crime. Because when they get out in life, consequences and choices currently equal out. Are you tracking? So if you just don't like your parents because they have given, you know, extra privileges to another sibling of yours, just know that they loved you more than they did that sibling and be thankful for that and respect them. Next, Proverbs 14, 1. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hand tears it down. Isn't this shocking that this is in scripture? Ladies, you can build up your house or you can tear it down. 
You can build up your children and be a positive force in their lives, or you can tear it down. And if you're tearing it down, they are running from you. So if you have a mother that has torn up your household and just wasn't stable and just continues to tear it down, you distance yourself, you pray, you respect, but that does not mean that they can come into your life and tear up your home. Right? You can do that. Still respect. Next, Proverbs 15, 25, whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household, but he who hates his bribes will live. This is speaking of the father, and he troubles his household because he can't handle money. He, he, can't, he can't supply. He, he just is greedy. It's all about him. You still, you still respect him. Next, uh, Proverbs thirty seventeen: the eye that mocks a father and scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. This has to do with us. And if we do not respect our moms and fathers, see, one way that you respect your mother and father is you do not slander them in front of other people. You see, you can recognize that what they did was wrong and keep it private Everybody in the community doesn't need to know that. They probably already know it already. You do not need to add fuel to the fire. This is actually a picture. An eye that mocks a father scorns to obey a mother will be picked out by the ravens of the valley and eaten by the vultures. It doesn't mean that if we go into Walmart and two people, like, they don't have eyes and they have eye patches, that there's somebody that mocked their mom and dad and a raven came into their house in the middle of the night and poked out there. It doesn't mean that at all. But what it does mean is it means that you can't win when you slander your mother and your father. You will not win. And if you spread it and spread it and spread it, you're losing, you're losing, you're losing. You keep it quiet, maybe between you and your spouse only, and you respect them and put them at a distance. And if you're doing that, you're being holy. God is holy. And don't let anybody tell you any different. Fair enough? It is a hard thing to think that there are some people that have to do this in their life. It's a very hard thing. It's very difficult for them to do. It's very emotional. It's very heartbreaking. You, there's, it's just you know it's not the way that it's supposed to be. However, sometimes that's the way it is. You put your distance and you respect anyway. And you don't slander, you respect. So let's continue to go. All right. Every one of you shall revere his mother and his father. You shall keep my Sabbath. I am the Lord your God. Do not turn to idols or make for yourselves any gods of cast metal. I am the Lord your God. When you reap the harvest of your land, verse 9, you should not reap the field right up to the edge, neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest, and you shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes to your vineyard. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. So what in the world is this talking about? Well, it's talking about farming, right? It's talking about getting crops, and it's talking about leaving 
some crops there that you're not going to sell in the market for the people who can't afford to buy them in the market. And you leave them in the field. In other words, it's telling us that we need to help the poor. That's what what it's telling us. What I think is interesting here is that you leave it in the field. That means that they have to get up out of their house and out of their bed, go out the door, walk to your field, and pick it up for themselves and take it back home. We, as a nation, are in trouble because we're not making people leave their house to go get the stuff that they need. So when they are down and when they can't afford it, we do help them out. That is what we are supposed to do, but they have to have the initiative to get out and come get it. This is a biblical thing. It is better for people to do something for what they are going to receive than it is for them just to stay at home and not do anything. It's just better for them. And this is biblical. I'm not making a political statement, but it's just biblical. And so God wants us to help the poor, so you leave that open. So I think it's, that's just amazing. If we... You know, there's a kingdom coming where this is going to happen. Jesus is going to set up a millennial reign, and it's going to be great. All right, 11. You shall not steal. By the way, if you continually give people stuff and they do nothing for it, like they have no work involved, they become dependent, and you're really not helping them out at all. You're really hurting them more than you are helping them. All right, verse 11. You shall not steal. That is a great idea. Isn't it? You shall not steal. I just think that's a marvelous idea. On Facebook a couple of weeks ago, there was, a, there was a Facebook post that says, if I broke into your house, what would I steal off the top of your refrigerator? My response to that was, you wouldn't make it to the refrigerator. <laughs> right? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, anyway, so it, not stealing is a great, great idea. And then it says, you shall not deal falsely. You shall not lie to one another. That is also a great idea. Not to tell lies to each other. It's great to be truthful. Even if it hurts. Listen, when my wife asked me now, I've been married 25 years. When she asked me now, does this make me look fat? I say yes or no depending on if it really makes her look fat or not. Don't feel bad for her because I dress sometimes and she's like, that doesn't match. Are you really wearing that? (laughs) And I feel like if she can be that truthful with me, I can be that truthful with her. So here's here's my thing. I've learned from my wife. Black is a slimming color. White is not. So maybe you should wear black even before Labor Day. And if you're skinny, no, you did better. Okay, getting in trouble now. <laughs> Just getting, having a little fun. But yeah, don't lie to each other. I don't know why we have a tendency to lie. I mean, we, we do. Um, not my current insurance agent, because that's Barry Jones. 
and he's been my insurance agent for years now, but my former insurance agent said that all men are liars because he works in insurance. I never really understood that, but we have a tendency not to tell the truth, to fudge on it a little bit here and there. So scripture tells us not to lie, tell the truth. So this continues. You shall not swear by my name falsely and profane the name of your, the Lord your God. I am the Lord. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired worker shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Let me pause right there to say, if you have somebody to come and work on your house, you need to pay them immediately. Or when the bill gets there, you need to send the check in the mail to send it to them. Do not wait on this. It says, don't delay in paying somebody. They are trying to provide for their family. They have done work in your home. Pay them. Pay them what they charged you and do it quickly. If you do not have the money for the repair, don't get them to come to your house. Don't get them to come to your house. Verse 14, you shall not curse the death or put a stumbling block before the blind. (laughs) Sorry. I'll tell you why I'm laughing at that. But you shall fear the Lord your God, I am the Lord. It's not because I'm making fun of blind people. It's because um, I every often... I have this thought, and you know the circle down here at Farmington Road, traffic circle where people kind of just, just go straight anyway? <laughs> there. Well, we have some in Louisville too, and every time I come to one of those circles, what I really want to do is put on glasses, like sunglasses, and have a stick and just kind of go around like this <laughs> and just see if somebody would help me. You know, I'd have a field crew and the whole deal. That is not a good idea. It's not a good idea. And um, my children are going to have problems one day when they put me in a nursing home. So, <laughs> because right now I'm restrained in those ideas. I think it's funny. But, but the blind here is interesting. Not only are we supposed to be um, courteous and kind to people that are less fortunate, that are blind, that can't hear, that are lame in Scripture, that have ailments, like physical ailments. We're supposed to be kind to them. But also, we're supposed to be kind to them because God was kind to you in your unfortunate circumstance. Well, Philip, what is my unfortunate circumstance? Well, you were lost. And he saved you. So the people that have these ailments, we are very kind to. By the way, we are fearfully and wonderfully made but we're also frail. And at any moment, you and I can lose our health and we will need the courtesy of other people to help us out and the love of other people to help us out. So you never take that for granted. So you help people that are less fortunate, that have the physical ailments that, you know, they are, you know, it just happened. It's part of life. You help them out, you care for them. You don't just ignore them. So you don't take advantage of them. Next page. Well, in my Bible. Verse 15. You shall do no injustice in court. You shall not be partial to the poor or defer to the great, but the righteous shall you judge your neighbor. You shall not go around as a slanderer among your people, and you shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord your God. So we understand the slander part. You're not supposed to slander your neighbor, but what does that mean uh, you shall not stand up against the life of the, your neighbor. I am the Lord your God. Well, that confused me a little bit. So what I did was I did a translation of that. This is the PBV 
version of the Bible. P-B-V. Okay. This is how it's translated. Do not go around spreading slander, but also do not stand idly by when your neighbor's life is at stake. If your neighbor's life is at stake, you help out. That's what this verse is saying. Don't just idly stand by. Then 17, do not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. This is what Jesus says in the New Testament, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. He says that it sums up the Ten Commandments. And if you go through those 18 verses, what you will find is they match the Ten Commandments. Now, they're in a different order, but they're given practical application to the Ten Commandments. You can go back and study that on your own and see which verses match up with which commandments. So we are supposed to love. We're supposed to love the people that slander us. We're supposed to love the people that didn't provide for us. We're supposed to love the people that didn't treat us right. We're supposed to love the people. We love our neighbor as ourselves. We treat them like we want to be treated. So I started thinking about this and thinking about this passage and the call to be holy and how all this kind of fits together. And, And I realized something. So let's start back at Genesis where the first man and the first woman was created. First man and the first woman was created in perfect holiness. In perfect holiness. They were created in the image of God and fully human. Absolutely fully human. They had holiness and they had flesh. What happened was they took of the fruit that they were not supposed to eat of, and both of them fell into unholiness. And it's at that point in time that they were no longer fully human. It died. In other words, if man is not more than human, he is less than human. When God says... I am the Lord your God. I want you to be holy as I am holy. What he is calling you and me to do is to be fully human. That we grab a hold of his image and we live it out in our life. We live out his holiness in our life. You see the animal less than human inclination when something comes up that is bad is to slander, is to hit, is to hate, is to go after right? That is what the less than human thing is to do. That's what the animal instinct is. But God is calling us out of that. And he's saying, look, I sent my son to die on the cross for you. When you receive me as your savior, you are resurrected into life, a life of holiness. You at that point in time are restored from being dead to be fully human, to not being fully human, to be fully human. You can be holy again. Yeah. Fully human. 
So every time that we decide not to live in holiness and we decide to live in sin is a moment that we are living less than a human life. We're living like the animals. You know, this is precisely what evolution teaches. You come from this animal to this animal to this animal, and then we're an animal. And all the animals do what they instinctively do. And so you, as another animal, can do what you instinctively want to do. And so the smorgasbord is open. Do whatever you want. You, you can do it because you have instincts that need to be satisfied. And God is saying, no, I am the Lord your God. Do not live that way because when you do, you're living less than human. You need to live holy so you don't slander people. You love people. You, you, you don't steal from people. You keep what is yours and you respect their stuff. You love your parents, but you don't slander them because I am the Lord your God. Be holy as I am holy. I want you to have a piece of what it really means to be human. Isn't that great? It's what it really means to be human. So, okay. So, when I'm upset and I'm angry, though, I can really tell people exactly what's on my heart. Well, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to step back a moment and get your emotions in check to where that you are forgiven and you love that individual, and then you can speak to them. Look at verse 17, chapter 19. It says this, you shall not hate your brother in your heart. So you pull back from that hate so you don't say something you don't need to say. But you shall reason frankly with your neighbor lest you incur sin because of him. In other words, love isn't just, I'm going to accept them where they are and I'm going to ignore it to keep the relationship. No, love is this. There is something wrong and we need to be frank about it. I need to back off of all these emotions where I'm irritated. I need to forgive. I need to step back. I need to make sure that hate is not in my heart. I need to make sure that I'm not going after that person. And once I forgive to the point where I love them again is the moment that I can actually step into it, that moment, and be very frank and tell them exactly how I'm feeling. This hurt me. Can we work it out? I did this this week. This hurt me. Can, can we work this out? And it's at this point that you can handle stuff correctly. You can't handle it correctly over here. This is all instinctive, and it makes more of a mess than you can ever realize. But you can get here and say, look, I don't like this. And speak frankly about it. Um, if you were to ask me, like, how many people do I trust 20 years ago? Um, I would tell you that I don't really trust anybody. I, I trust Nicole. That's probably about it. Because of some things that had happened in my life because a lot of people live right here, right? If you were to ask me today, who do I trust? I would say that at 1835 Farmington Road, there's not a larger group of people in this world that I trust more than the people that come to this church. It's amazing. The difference is just absolutely amazing. It took me a while to get here to start trusting people. Um, and so, so, I, so I trust people. 
One of the reasons that I trust people here is because, generally speaking, overall, there's very, been very few times where people have been petty, but they've been frank. Two totally different things. Two totally different. And I prefer people that are frank with me so that I know exactly what they're thinking and where they're at so I can talk and work it out. This is why if you send me a letter and do not sign it at the bottom, I don't read it. If I get it in the mail, people still do this, by the way. I get it in the mail, Robin gives it to me, I open it up, I look all the way at the end to see if someone signed it. If someone didn't sign it, it goes in the shredder. Because I don't need to hear anything that's in that letter at all. Because I cannot work it out with you if you do not put your name at the bottom. And if you don't have the courage to do that, I'm just not going to read your letter. I don't care how it's written. So frankness is this. I have this issue, can we work it out? I love you, I want to work this out. And we talk back and forth and we figure out something. Now we might leave not agreeing, but what we will agree, what we will do is we'll leave still loving each other and respecting each other. And there's an appreciation when people are frank, when people are not lying to you, when people are not slandering you behind your back, but they're coming to you face to face to work out the issue. There is something about that that is more holy than tearing up someone's reputation over here with a bunch of lies. Because all slander is, is an exaggeration of an issue that should never have been spoken in this arena. Right? So God says, I want you to love your neighbor. And treat your neighbor like yourself. If what you're about to say is something that you wouldn't want said to someone else about you, you keep your mouth shut. And you go to the individual and you speak frankly with them and you try to work it out. This is how you're holy. This is how you make a mess. This is how God wants you to live. You know, God is always frank with me. Is he frank with you? Yeah. At the moment that you need something, like you, you struggled with something the day before, it, it just so happens that that's the passage of the Bible you're reading the very next day, and you're like, oh, thank you, Lord. I needed that. And you ask for forgiveness. That is exactly what, how he wants us to treat each other. God wants restoration of relationship between him and us, and he wants us to have restored relationships with each other. So there you go. Be holy as God is holy. And that is the message for today. 301, I will say that you've all passed the 301 class, and we'll go next week to the 401. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the stage you've given us. Thank you for this passage. It is so challenging. One of the things that's challenging is when we get upset. And it's so difficult sometimes to back up and treat something with frankness that has love attached to it rather than just spewing out on someone. So I pray, Father, that you'll help us be frank but loving, kind but stand for something. And have the willingness to work it out with that people. That's really what that love does, Father. It makes us desire to work it out. When both people have that love and they're frank, they can work out any issue. 
I pray for the people in this room that um, struggle with their, their moms and their dads. And each situation, I'm sure, is different. I pray today you'll help by the power of the Holy Spirit those people to forgive their parents and to respect their parents, but still figure out which boundaries need to be in place so that that mess doesn't continue in their lives. I pray for the people in the room that, I don't know, maybe they have trouble stealing, maybe they have trouble telling the truth, maybe they have trouble with some other stuff that uh, you have said not to do in this particular passage of scripture. I pray by the power of your Holy Spirit, you'll help them ask forgiveness and give them the strength and power not to do those things again. Father, help us love people. Help us love this world so that we can reach them for you. Thank you for the call to holiness. Thank you for the resurrection of our souls. Thank you for providing us with a moment to be fully human. So we lay all this at your feet. Move as you will. And in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand and sing. The altar is open. I'm also up here for you as well if you need that. So as we sing the verse of this invitation song.